0: All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and it is a very warm May day. What day in May, you ask? I believe it's May 17th. Yep, it is May 17th. And I'm on my way to work as usual. Well, not quite as usual. Because I have caught a cold. Last couple days my throat's been just a little bit scratchy and I've had just a little bit of congestion. Sorry, let me put my seatbelt on. But uh this morning I woke up with a pretty solid sore throat and a lot of congestion, but I've got most of it shaken off by now. I'm gonna have to turn on the AC because it is roasting. It is 30 degrees here. That's not hot, but it's the hottest day of the year. It's probably not 30 yet. It says it's 22 degrees actually. But inside this car, it's definitely hotter than that. So I'm gonna have a little air sound, a little fan noise just a few minutes. Get this thing cooled off then I'll turn it down. But how have you guys been doing? Uh, man, uh, not a lot really has been going on on my end that's of any import. Um, but something I've been having fun with is that the Celtics are, of course, at the playoffs and they're winning and we just won a game seven, uh, against the Sixers and now we're heading to, uh, heading to the Eastern Conference finals again, fourth time in five years maybe, uh, to play against the Miami Heat, which we beat them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So We're going to play them again. Uh, they beat us pretty recently in the Eastern Conference Finals one year to go to the finals, I believe, against the Lakers. Which they lost to the Lakers. So, yeah. Uh, I've been following basketball maybe even a little more than usual. Um, just because... The Celtics are doing so well, and they're kind of <laughs> doing it in style. They're <laughs> they're not winning uh, handedly. They're they're scraping by, but they're they're doing it when it matters. And I guess that's uh, even though it's more exciting, it's also emotionally taxing if you're a, an invested fan as I am. I'm sure there are many fans who are way worse than me. Um, you know. It, it, it's weird how real sports can get. It's, it's it's certainly strange if you think about it. You know, why, why do we get so emotionally invested in something that really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter? And uh, I would say probably it's just in our nature, right? Uh, competition, the idea of, of sport and, and victory you know, even uh, these types of words, sports and competition and victory and, and race, were all things that were even you know, mentioned in, in the New Testament. Um, so it's not something that's new to, to humanity, although probably we've never been quite as crazy as we are now, and maybe not quite to this level, but people have always had their heroes. And I think in peaceful countries, if, if your hero's not a warrior out killing the enemy, uh, then, you know, perhaps we just um, do the next best thing and choose an athlete as our hero. And it you know, it, it does make sense on some level. It's it's a similar thing. Uh, the good thing is that the violence is, is at a minimum compared to all out war. Uh, and today we don't have to actually go anywhere to, to see these athletes. We can, we can watch them on the, on the comfort of our own home, which is nice. Which allows me to be a, a fan of the Boston Celtics for the last... Uh, I must have become a fan of the Celtics somewhere around 83, 1982, 1983. Uh, I'd say probably 83... Uh, So that's 30 years, right? 83 to now is 30, yeah. Uh, No, it's 40 years. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. It's 40 years. So I've been a fan of the Boston Celtics without ever having been to Boston (laughs) for the last 40 years. And part of it's because I've never lived in a town that actually had a uh, professional basketball team. Um, And where I lived, the small town that I lived in, everybody loved basketball, it was kind of a popular pastime, and so I got into basketball, Um, and, yeah, became a fan of Larry Bird, and the Boston Celtics, who were obviously great in the early part of the 80s, great is an understatement, but, uh, I guess in the Boston, in, in those first six years of Larry Bird's career, five years he won the uh, championship three times those were the only three championships but it it was during that era that I became a fan of Larry Bird and then of the Boston Celtics so yeah I don't know it's just it's one of those things like we, we we humans like to belong to something right we're always looking for something to belong to and we start out Start out in families, and we uh, then extend our families and, and make our own families, and you know we have uh, jobs and schools and and uh, you know, sports teams and all kinds of groups to which we we um, belong, right? It's part of being a, a, a social a social creature uh, such as we are, right? Um humans are social creatures, and so we uh, we're always trying to belong to something. Now there are anti-social people, which is fine. But, you know, in retrospect, I'd say that uh, my association with uh, the Boston Celtics outlived my association with <laughs> with my denomination. <laughs> interesting uh, that's maybe a topic for another day but but yeah we we do seek to belong and 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 part of that is you know these days we, I think we probably think of it in terms of well it's it's fun it gives us it gives us community it, it gives us people that like the same things we like it connects us uh, to like-minded people and that's all true but if you think about it that's a that's a survival technique Right. That's that's survival. If if you are a, a part of a group, if you belong to the group, to some extent, uh, when you are threatened, the group may protect you. Uh, it may help you uh, feed your family through the winter, or it may help you do this or that. And so, I think this, the idea of being a part of a larger group is a is a survival mechanism that humans have developed over the years. And, obviously many animals do this, and I would say all animals do this to some extent, at least part of the, part of their time is spent, um, in groups, whether it's while they're having, you know, having babies, uh, or, um, yeah, when they're courting or mating, at some point they are connected to, uh, other creatures like them. Uh, yeah, so this, this whole idea of, of, uh, being a fan of a sports uh, team and, and allowing um, that—what do you call it? It's almost an addiction, I suppose. But but that relationship to dictate your emotional ups and downs is is quite an interesting phenomenon. You know, it's it's interesting. Obviously, it's not the first time it's happened. There have been other times and people have done drastic things like commit crimes or even murder uh, based on uh, sports and, you know, so-called loyalty to one's team. Uh, and it's not, a, it's not the most rational side of human beings, that's for sure. And I know that, and still, I just enjoy it. I enjoy it too much. I enjoy following the Celtics. I enjoy when they win. I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's weird. You know? not from Boston. Uh, never been to Boston. Uh, and yet, you know, I have a very deep connection to that city that's lasted 40 years uh, through their basketball team. It's weird, it's not It's not rational, that's for sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's something that I've been doing and following recently. Uh, yeah, as far as theological discussions, I, I, I've been talking to a, a, uh, a guy who's here. Uh, we went to the same university, although maybe he came a little bit after me, I don't remember. I think he's like six six or seven seven years younger than me maybe but he's somebody that lived in Japan so I know him Uh, and I know his his wife and and, uh, I think I even know his sister who was a little older than him who went to Oklahoma Christian while I was there or just after I left but anyway uh, I've connected with him over the years really great guy and uh, he works at the university where we both graduated from uh, and and it's a very traditional, uh, conservative, Christian college uh, or university, uh, and he is not that anymore. He he is uh, quite um, progressive in terms of Christ, Christian uh, ideology, and and. Uh, goes to a church in the city uh, that is very progressive but still kind of connected to the uh, well I'll just say churches of Christ it's fine Um, churches of Christ and that's the denomination I grew up in that I have uh, since tried to uh, I hate to say go beyond um, because that sounds so pretentious Um, I'm very much indebted to the tradition uh, for introducing me to the Bible Um, but I will say they didn't do a great job of introducing me to Jesus which is a weird right, a weird thing Uh, but I was able to use the skills they gave me with the Bible uh, uh, to you know, use that as one way that has led me to a uh, better um, uh, relationship and understanding of Jesus. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, but they are uh, a group by and large uh, of biblicists, people who really uh idolize the Bible, written scripture, um, way more than it should ever be done, uh, if at all. Uh, Now, I I maintain that the Bible is a great book. It's even a miraculous book in many ways. uh, But I don't maintain uh, that it is any kind of authority in and of itself. And its purpose just as the purpose of the Old Testament was, so so is the New. Its purpose is to point us to Christ, to be a tool, to, to point us to Christ so that we may follow Him, so that we might begin to live like Him uh, more. And my tradition did a good job of pointing me to the, to the map, uh, but not really getting me to the destination. I know that's a weird thing to say, and I'm not sure everybody has had that. Um, experience uh, that's, that's my experience and I have hold no ill will I don't think toward um, the churches of Christ uh, but I do pray that they will also uh, stop getting hung up on the map and get to the destination uh, and, and there's so much more joy uh, and peace found there uh, than before you could ever imagine. Because, you know, we've talked about this many times, the Bible uh, really is a, is a reflection of your innermost thoughts, the, the way that you interpret the Bible, the things that you say that the Bible says reveals your soul. You bear your soul when you uh, endeavor to interpret Scripture. And we have to interpret Scripture. There's no other way. Scripture doesn't say anything except what we say it says. Uh, And that's both a a weakness and a strength, right? Uh, It's a weakness because uh, it's hard for anybody to ever agree what Scripture says because everybody is different and unique and uh, has uh, their own experiences, obviously. Uh, But it's a strength because... Uh, it relieves I think uh, if, if we realize that the Bible is uh, interpreted by a reflection of who we are it can be used to help us understand ourselves better and we understand others better by the way that they interpret scripture and as long as we hold our uh, conclusions lightly uh, and with humility uh, we may just be able to move and learn and synergistically uh, blossom into, into someone who is more uh, Christ-like or more like Christ. Uh, and that can't be a bad thing. Right? If, we're, if we're moving ever toward Christ, um, being more like Christ, loving more like Christ, uh, living more like Christ, then, then really that's, that's going to be the path That ushers into the world all of the healing that it needs. Right? So people who know Jesus, living like Jesus, become Jesus to the world, right? In a lot of ways. And to me that's the that's the message of the, of the incarnation. The, God became flesh in the person of Jesus. That's the message. That hey, you know, you can do this too, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in such a way uh, that will help you live better, right? If you, if you'll just follow me, do what I do, love who I love, think how I think, uh, and that doesn't mean to be a carbon copy of right? We can still be an individual. We can still have our own identity. Uh, But that is the conduit through which the world receives uh, redemption, um, reconciliation, uh, receives the happiness that that is in the heart of every person. It's through people treating people with love and respect. And I think that's a pretty great definition of heaven. People loving and respecting one another. Right? Because imagine if you're always in that environment. If you're always in an environment where people love and respect each other. Always. And that there's no one else around, well, wouldn't that be heaven? And doesn't that feel like heaven when you're, even if you're only there for a, a short time or just a little bit, when you're in a place where there's no judgment? There's only acceptance and love and goodwill. Um, To be in that kind of a relationship with people is heavenly. And that's how you know that the will of God is happening on earth, in that place, at least for that time. It did, and and it is, right? Um... So, yeah, I, I had a nice conversation with Kelsey, and he struggles. Oh, I just said his name, but anyway. He struggles being there and uh, being in, a, in an environment where, you know, the ideology is somewhat different from his. Um, and, of course, I, I think we are all in that environment to some extent always. We're, we're never in an environment where... Uh, everybody thinks the way we think and everybody is as conservative as us or as progressive as us and you know there's always going to be a little bit of tension uh, until we find ourselves in that you know in a heavenly place or situation um, and yeah it was it was good to hear though that you know he he's he's still existing in that dissonance and and doing his best he's He's trying to do good and be good, and and uh, I feel for him in that context. Uh, I wish he could be relieved from it, but at the same time, uh, I know he's doing good there. And, uh, and I applaud him for his efforts. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure where this is going to go today already, in some ways, have already gone to a pretty good place with it. we got another 20 minutes of this ride. Hopefully it's not much longer than 20 minutes. I left a little bit later than I'd like to today. Maybe two or three minutes. The traffic seems to be fairly light. Not horrible. Um, Yeah, so what do you do? You know, what do you do when you are uh, in a situation where uh, you feel your ideas and your beliefs feel attacked on every side uh, and you're a minority in that, right? I think, you know, if I had to put some principles to it, I'd say number one, uh, with some humility, uh, realize that you are not—you are not the be-all and all of theology either. None of us are. Uh, And—and if—if, mind you, you have achieved some higher um, level of of spirituality than those around you. <clears throat> Be grateful that you're in that context because you can help others. You can help others uh, to 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 go forward as well, right? Um, and remember, okay. So number one, you know, be humble about your own thoughts that you you could be wrong about stuff. And number two, remember that you were once there as well, and someone or something uh, happened to you to put you on a uh, possibly better course, uh, and you know, be that for somebody else. Having gone through what you've gone through, you know, and we talked about deconstruction last week. Um, you know, the healthy ways to deconstruct and whatnot. Uh, just be mindful that you had to deconstruct at one point as well. That that you also thought as as other people do now. Uh, and but by the grace of god you have uh, you have been delivered from that uh, and others can too right uh, it's it's not it's not so all important that everybody agree with you all the time uh, because who are you you know to use a a, a jordan peterson technique who, who who the hell do you think you are <laughs> you don't know anything <laughs> and and that's true right I, I, there was something that came across my uh, I don't know Facebook uh, feed yesterday about Socrates and and how you know one of his main uh, ideas was that he knows that he knows nothing and it it didn't mean to belittle his intelligence, because obviously Socrates was an incredibly intelligent person, but what he was getting at was you can't really be certain of anything. Whatever I think I know, someday I may learn more uh, that makes me change what I thought I knew. Alright, and that's 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 humility. Uh, I know I know that I know nothing. Uh, and and maybe we should say I know nothing for sure. Um, still, I think it's it's still a valid point. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, open your eyes and, and look for like-minded people. Most likely, if you're in a, a, a fairly sizable organization of some kind, there are other people that are also feel that also feel alienated, and maybe you just haven't. Uh, had the, the chance to, to find that out about them, right? And so I would, I would keep my eyes open for other people who are struggling uh, and be a comfort to them. And, you know, like I said, don't get too proud about what you think you know. Uh, try to, to humbly accept the, the possibility that what you think you know today, you'll change tomorrow. And then just be a comfort to somebody. Just do the do the next best thing, right? Uh, do the, do the, if you don't know what to do, just do the next best thing that comes up that you, that you, you know, think is a good thing to do. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Just try to do the next best thing again. I mean, that's all any of us can do anyway. Um, there's not much else uh, left to us, right? We, we have limited perspective, limited knowledge uh, limited memory. Um, we don't know the future, uh, and we, when we do make decisions, most of the time it's it's a bit of a guess, right? We hope it works out. We'll do what we can to make sure it works out, but we don't know whether it will work out or not—not not for sure, not definitively. And anyone who says they do. Uh, maybe has been lucky up to this point or is just delusional um, it's just not something that is real, right uh, certainty is not a thing, I think somebody wrote a book about the sin of certainty and it may have been Pete Ends. it could have been somebody else um, I don't remember uh, but yeah, one of the worst things we can ever do is be certain And of that I am certain. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's see if I can recap what I said. Number one is be humble about the beliefs that you hold and realize that that you may be wrong as well. Uh, And the degree to which you are wrong may make other people's wrongness uh, quite infinitesimal. Indeed, they are wrong. Uh, you may be wrong about you being right, and you may wrong. You may be wrong about them being wrong. Uh, that's a possibility. So, be humble. And what was the second thing I said? What did I say? Um, yeah. So, be humble about what you think you know. Uh, and um, the third thing I said was keep your eyes open for other people who are struggling, and and you know be a help to them. Fourth thing the fourth thing I said was to you know just do the next best thing if you if you feel alone and embattled and, 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 and uh, you know just do something that you know to be good and if it's not the best thing, just try again. Keep trying to do the best thing that you know how to do. Just do the next best thing. I can't remember the second thing I said I may have to rewind this and see but it, it was recorded and I think it was pretty decent, I don't know. This is a list I'm making off the top of my head, just suggestions that are coming to me. Brainstorming, if you will. Um, what else, if you're in that situation? Uh, you know, if it becomes too much, uh, just just trust uh, that you could leave and the whole, whole world uh, may not crumble. You know? Uh, be brave enough to change your environment if if that is what the situation calls for uh, and I would say that the situation would call for that when people you love are being harmed by that situation right so if people you love and you care for are being harmed by that situation uh, then to me that is a telltale sign to, to change your environment there's one thing for you to believe what you believe, and to uh, be prepared to endure all the consequences of that. It's another thing to to pull other people into it and expect them uh, to acquiesce uh, to your uh, to your crusade. You know, no matter what you're doing. Uh, but of course, if the family. I'm talking about family if the family is is up for it and is into it and is a part of it and is passionate about it that's another thing right um but I would say you know as parents we have we have an extra responsibility to our children that really isn't trumped by much uh if if ever at all um it is a sacred uh calling and mandate to take care of your children um This guy's going to go right off the curb. I guess he doesn't care. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man, I wish I could remember that second thing I said. (laughs) It's probably the best thing of them all. Be humble and realize you may be wrong about what you think you know. Uh, And... Yep, I don't remember. Uh, but I think I got four things in there. Uh, man, what can I do with a fifth? I don't even know what a fifth thing would be. Um, but maybe that's what that was about. You know. Uh, oh, the fifth thing is yeah, get out if 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 you think you have to. You know, be be okay with uh, cutting and running. Uh, it's happened many times in the in you know the the scripture where things became too much and. People got out of there. Jesus even escaped from the crowd. Uh, it's not—it's not something that's always bad, right? If you need to get out of a bad situation, uh, then get out, go forward, right? Um, you can't save the whole world. That's not our job. Um, there, there are there are things that may be beyond us, and the grace of the grace of Christ covers all that anyway. Even if we fail to ever lead someone to Christ, or we fail to bring food to the hungry or <clears throat> you know, clothing to the naked, even if we fail in all that, the grace of Christ covers us. He will do more than we can ever ever possibly imagine. He is more and does more and will do more um, through others who perhaps are farther along this journey than we are. And that's okay. you know we are where we are and because of grace, we don't have to be anything in order, in order to be accepted and loved by Christ. And what a great thing that is well, why do we do anything at all, you might ask? Why, Why even try? If everyone's saved, what's the point? Well, the point is, salvation is not something that happens only in the afterlife, after your death. Salvation is something that comes to people now. People are saved all the time, saved from poverty, saved from hunger, saved from sickness, saved from starvation, saved from alienation. Saved from being ostracized. Saved from themselves and saved from others. That's something that that happens all the time now. Your salvation, I think, is always meant to be for this world. And if it's not for this world, uh, the other world doesn't matter either. Salvation is something that that comes now. I mean, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. And I think he was talking about Zacchaeus. Salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because salvation is reconciliation. What was that? Somebody just hit a bird. Poor thing. Uh yeah. Salvation is something that is has always been meant for you now. <clears throat> And it may or may not be something that, that happens later. I don't know the nature of what happens later, but I do do know, I think I know, I hope I know that the salvation that Jesus offers brings us healing today. Now, if you, if you receive that salvation, if you are brought into relationship with Christ through another loving human being, salvation to some extent has come to you now. When you repent of your way of life that was hurting yourself and hurting others salvation has come to your house if you've stopped taking advantage uh, of people and situations for personal gain salvation has come to your house right Uh, I don't know any other way to say it stop harming yourself and others salvation has come to your house and salvation will spread to those around you because you have decided to be loving in the world and nothing else that's salvation doesn't mean that salvation won't happen after death I, I, I think it will and I believe it will and I hope it will But I do know that we can't ignore salvation now that that is tangible for some ethereal salvation after death, of which nobody has been able to testify about. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, for my friend who is uh, working hard at, at his job and in a context where maybe he feels a little bit outnumbered. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's doing what he can to bring salvation to those around him. Uh, And I pray for a little salvation for him, too. Because I'm sure there are other like-minded people around. They just may be quiet and hard to find, Uh, but they're there They are there. For sure. Maybe just need a little encouragement. A little courage. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm just about at my place of employment, so we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.